0: We were talking about obedience with someone this in the last couple of weeks, and I've used this example for years and years. If I had to tell my boys three or four times, stop, don't, quit, then when they're running out in the middle of the street and I had to tell them three times to get them to mind me, it's too late. Obedience to God. Obedience to God. We have to be obedient. This is what Matthew 28 and 18 said, reading from the New King James Version. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. All authority. All authority. Can you imagine having all authority to make everybody do what you want them to do? All authority. Let's keep going. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. Jesus has given instruction. Why? He chooses to use humans. We see in the Bible where animals talked. I probably told this story before, Taylor. I don't know which which one was. Was it a dog or a cat? He wanted Shelly? He wanted one of these animals. Peyton wanted a dog. He even had the kid wrong. <laughs> Peyton wanted a dog, and uh, and and this stray come up, and uh, I said, "Well, if you could teach that dog to meow, we're gonna keep it." I said, "If, if God can make a, a donkey talk," and I said. See, he knew the story. He got down on his knees with that dog and he'd work with that dog trying to get it to meow, and it never would. We don't have a pet, by the way. He couldn't get it done. God chooses to use us, God chooses to use you. You think, well, man, God's not using me, I'm a security guard. You know, I work in a factory. I, I do this, I do that. God's, God doesn't use. God chooses to use you. He chooses to use you. We see in Matthew there, Jesus is showing that we're to be the hands and the feet of God. If you didn't know, in my Bible it says the Great Commission. That's exactly what he's telling them there. My text is going to come from Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. If you'll stand with me for the reading of the word. We're going to see in another story here, God using man. and We know God likes to use obedient people. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked... And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he's afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land of the good and the large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which Egyptians oppressed them. Verse number 10, my last verse. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Hallelujah. He chooses to use humans to bring His deliverance. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Your Word's already anointed, Father. I'm asking You to anoint Your servant today. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross so that I can speak what You want me to speak, Father. Anoint our ears and our eyes to see and to hear what You would have to say to us today. I ask You, Lord, for the Word to take root in our hearts, Lord. Let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wave at somebody before you sit down and yell out howdy to them. Howdy. We're in Arkansas. We can say that. If we didn't know why, we say, hey, yuns," Hey, y'all. No, we can't even say y'all up there. You guys you guys hallelujah the title of my sermon today is you're going is God coming down Your are going is God coming down Your going is God coming down you read them verses and you're going to realize God's coming down he's coming down He's coming down. You get to verse 10, he says, you're doing it. You're like, what? In verse 1, Moses is in the early stages of retirement. He failed in trying to deliver his people, so he's going to work for his father-in-law, Jethro. He's on the backside of the desert, minding sheep, minding his own business. Moses knew what his ministry was, what it was supposed to be. He knew he was going to deliver his people. Supposed to deliver the people. But he had quit the ministry. He had given up, taken up another path or another road. Fear was keeping him from God's plan. Fear was keeping him from God's plan. In his mind, he probably thought, he was on the wrong road. He was going the wrong places. He was, he, was, he was in the wrong place in time as far as he was concerned. Has anybody ever been there? Any, you look around and you think, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I'm going to tell you when I first came to this church, what, 17, 18 years ago, I was like, God, why this church? Why am I here? It wasn't anything against anyone. It was just, why here? Now, for 13 years, I drove to Conway to church, back and forth. And so this is only a mile from my house. I could have did this 13 years before that and saved a lot of gas money. But you asked, what, what am I doing here? And sometimes in our life, we get to a place, maybe we're not where we're supposed to be at all, and we wonder... What am I doing here? How did I get here? What did I do? Where did I miss God? What happened? I've been there before. Moses is thinking, I'm on the backside of the desert. And God, you're a million miles away. But what Moses didn't know that he was in the actual right place, the right road, the right time. Because he's about to have an encounter with God. Hallelujah. He's about to have an encounter with a burning bush. He didn't know that in just a little while God was going to burst onto the scene. You hear me? Burst onto the scene. He's going to burst onto the scene in a bush. What does that tell us? Never give up. When you take a look around and you think, what in the world am I doing here? What's going on? This coronavirus, this world, our our politics, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. You think, what in the world's going on? Just remember, don't give up. Don't give in. Look around. Keep looking around. Keep looking for that burning bush. Never give up. Never stop walking because a burning bush experience could just be around the corner. Hallelujah. But Brother Drew, you know, I don't, uh, I don't feel like going on. I'm, I'm giving up. I've tried to do something for God before and failed. I've tried to live for God and I just can't. Can't stay away from the drugs. Can't stay away from the alcohol. Can't stay away from the women or the men or both. Nowadays, I just can't do it. Just leave me alone. Let me tend to my sheep on the backside of the desert. Just let me go on do my business. I miss God. I've ne- I'll never get another opportunity. Oh, pastor, I'm too old. I've heard that a bunch. In two years as a pastor, almost two years as a pastor. I've heard that a bunch. I I was praying, and I I pray this prayer all the time over our seniors. I I say, God, give them long life. Give them years beyond. Give them health of their youth. I had one of them tell me, don't pray that over me. I want to go, and God says go. (laughs) Sister Margaret, did I say that? (laughs) Love you, Sister Margaret. Amen. God just brought you another opportunity today. You're not too old. You're not too young to have a burning bush experience. God wants to show himself strong. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That would freak you out. Put in Drew's like, they would freak you out. I'm not just the burning bush, but then the talking. God being there talking. I'm just telling you. We we take this too lightly sometimes to understand, really grasp what was going on there. God says you need to keep on walking. If you feel like, you know, I've missed my opportunity. I, I haven't did what God's told me to do or I'm too old or I'm too young or whatever. God says to keep on walking. Keep on. Keep on working. Keep on believing. Keep on keeping on. Keep on trusting. Because you may have given up on God, but God does not give up on you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm on the backside of the desert going through the motions of coming to church and on the inside, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Look out. God is about to do a miracle in your life. I love to say this. You're in the position or get into the position where God can use you or God can touch you. You're right there at that position. When you're about to ready to give up, God loves to work when nothing else will. That means we've come to the end of ourselves. We've tried everything we can try. We've been the nicest we could be. We've cooked the best meal for Brother Scotty we could fix, Sister Jacqueline. At some point, he's going to turn his love towards me and treat me right. Oh, he treats her right. I know that. That's the way we get, though. We're positioning ourselves. When we don't have anywhere else to go, we've positioned ourselves for God to do a miracle. When Peyton was diagnosed with cancer, and I know some, in my heart every time I say something like that, the devil gets on my shoulder and says, they don't want to hear about that anymore. You're going to hear about it. It's a monument moment in my life that God showed himself strong in my life. When I come to the realization, which didn't take very long, I didn't have the finances to keep my son alive. I didn't have the technology. I didn't have the knowledge. I wasn't a doctor. I had nothing to give my son except the Lord. I had nothing. And when you realize you can't do anything about the situation and you give yourself totally over to God... Somebody said, well, how could you walk through that? And you you walked through it so boldly and so strong. I had no other choice. I leaned on God. That's all I knew. That's what I was raised up to do. Hallelujah. Don't give up on God. The answer to your prayer is on the way. I love testimonies. And we don't have them very much in church anymore because people get up and complain. And say, "Well, the devil's been riding me all week long." I heard one story, and the pastor said, "Well, if you take the saddle off, he wouldn't ride so much." You may have messed up. Guess what? God knows how to fix it. I've told the story over and over and over about my grandpa. I backed into his little bitty truck one day with our bus, six o'clock in the morning. I went and tapped on. He was in an RV, and I tapped on the RV. And I said. Paul, I said, I run into your truck. And, of course, he knows I tease once in a while. And he said, oh, son, you did not. I said, no, I'm serious. I I hit your truck. He said, son, he was a body and fender man. He said, you can't break something I can't fix on a car. That's what God says with our lives. You can't break something that he can't fix. You can't go too far that he can't reach in there. You can't go to a darker place or the darkest place you can think of that his light won't shine in. Hallelujah. 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 Don't give up on God. They answer to your prayers on the way. You may have messed up, but God can fix it. You're about to have a burning bush experience that's going to change you. And you know what? When it changes you and you and you and you, it changes this church. It changes our atmosphere. It changes our community. Hallelujah. 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 That was verse one. Verse two. Moses is taking care of the sheep, and suddenly he sees something that catches his eye. I love the word suddenly. Love the word suddenly. When God moves on the scene suddenly, when all seems lost, when Lazarus is dead inside the tomb, then suddenly Jesus walks on the scene. We're just like Mary and Martha. Well, Jesus, what in the world? You knew he was dying. We, we sent the word, and you hung out with your friends up there. You just kept praying and healing everybody up there. But no, he couldn't come see us. God's timing. Boy, you got just help me preach. I'm just write all this stuff down. Should I take notes for me? God's timing. He's taking care of the sheep, and suddenly he sees something that catches his eye. A bush just got fired with no apparent reason, and God begins to talk to him. That's a supernatural event. That's a supernatural event. Did you notice that Moses didn't try to rationalize it away in the scriptures? He didn't, he didn't say, well, the sun must have hit my wedding band and caused the laser ray to hit the bush. that caused the bush to burst into flames. That's an imagination, I'm just telling you. Spontaneous combustion wasn't the answer. This flame was Supernatural. Because the fire kept burning, but it didn't consume the bush. Can I ask you a question? Why is the church so afraid of the supernatural? I'm just saying. When I hear a noise, I'm in here praying late at night on Saturday nights, a lot of nights, a lot of the Saturday nights. I'm in here praying. I was in here praying again last night. I heard some strange noises. And I thought, hmm. But I didn't think, oh, that's the devil trying to scare me out of here. I thought... God, what's the angels up to out there? What are they doing in the auditorium? I could hear somebody in the auditorium messing around last night. I know what they were doing. Hallelujah. They were preparing the wife for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The supernatural. We shouldn't be scared of the supernatural. We're to operate in the supernatural. We are. Moses, he's quit now. He's on the backside of the desert, but he had something miraculous. God had something miraculous planned for him right there on the, in the desert. Mm. we're fighting a real devil. How many knows that? He's not the one with, he's in a red suit with, with little ears and a tail. That's not the one. We're fighting a real devil. It's a spiritual warfare. And so we need supernatural power from God. Supernatural weapons. You know, if it just took a, 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 a 38 caliber, it took a shotgun. What Man, Arkansas would be set. We could, keep, we could just blow the devil out of the water we got so many guns here in Arkansas. It's a spiritual warfare. We need supernatural weapons. You can't change cities, communities, and individual lives by natural means. I can't give you more education and more money and solve the world's problems. It's been proven. It's been proven again and again until it's insanity they keep trying same thing over and over and over and it doesn't work you change cities communities individuals lives by supernatural power hallelujah supernatural power from god i'm believing that the supernatural happens in our services and revival breaks out hallelujah just like it did today we didn't see a burning bush but you know what we felt the presence of god come down and where the god is there when you feel his presence, man supernatural can happen at any second I start looking around the room, start seeing what's going on. What's going on? Where are you at, God? Where's the angels at, God? What are, you, what are you trying to show us today? We're looking for the supernatural. You wonder what's going on. I've been in my office praying for the supernatural. If you're sitting there right now and you feel like somebody's sitting by you, it's supernatural. I'm just letting you know. It's supernatural. Praise the Lord. We need some burning bushes. To, we need some bushes just to burst into flames and be burning bushes. Holy Ghost will set us on fire. My prayer is let something burst into flames in me today, God. In our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, in our adults, in our staff, in our deacon boards. God, let us burn. Burn. Set us on fire. If we could bring revival by natural means, it would already happen. And by the way, we wouldn't need God then. You know, if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need God. But we can't. We need the supernatural move of the Holy Ghost and fire that lights us up and we continue to burn for God. God set a bush on fire today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verses 3 through 6. I want to talk about them for just a minute. So in verse 3, Moses turns aside to see what's going on. And then in verse 4, as if a burning bush wasn't enough, a voice comes out of the bush and says, Moses, take your shoes off. Take your sandals off. You're standing on holy ground. Do you know what? When the presence of God is here, you're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. We think of people like Moses as being bigger than life, Bible heroes. We see them as people that never doubt or have any kind of fear. I heard one preacher preach this part right here, and he said, "Uh, I believe God had him take his sandals off because he didn't want him to run again. That's what he did before. I'm just saying, I'm not sure that's what it was. We have in our mind that when the bush ignites, that Moses said, behold, the bush burneth. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. I believe he was shocked that it wasn't consumed. But I'm sure he was a little scared, maybe even terrified. Maybe even terrified. I know he hid his face. He was afraid he's going to be killed. God doesn't often speak in burning bushes, but he does speak. Because God knew that Moses' task was great, God used something powerful to get his attention. Hallelujah. The greater the task, the greater experience. Hallelujah. And I could even turn that around. The greater experience, the bigger task God's going to give to you. I can tell you when God gets your attention, you better pay attention. Faith is sometimes trusting God in spite of your fear. How many have ever been afraid of something God told you to do? I'm standing up here today. Have you ever been afraid of something that God told you to do? The flesh will rise up in fear, but we have to say, I choose to follow God. God's plan, God's will for my life. Over my fears, they've got to be squished down. They've got to be put down. They've got to be eliminated. My trust put in God. Moses overcame his fear, and we can too. You can ask how? How? There you go. Going to God, reading his word, having some experiences with God in the prayer, in the, in, in the word time. One of the other things we can do though is get around some Christian people. How many have Christian friends? How many have some sinner friends? Some bad sinner friends. And their family. <laughs> I've seen hands shoot up all over the place. <laughs> Lord help us. Lord help us. Being around people that will lift you up by being in church. I've heard over and over and over through this pandemic of depression from church people. And you know what? It's a real thing. Depression's a real thing. And you don't want it. People don't want it. They didn't ask for it. It's a real thing. But we have to realize the answer to depression is God. It's not a double scoop of daiquiri eyes at Baskin Robbins. It's God. Although that sounds good. That's not going to bring you out of depression. Stuffed crust pizza won't do it either. Or a pill. I tell you, they're helping me preach up here. A pill is not going to help get you out of depression. That's the first thing we want to do. Doctor, you know, I'm having this. Can you give me something? Instead of making God our first choice, we make him our last resort. So we we have a medicine cabinet full of medicines. for. I'm just saying. I'm not against medicine. Every medicine they've made. They created it with God's stuff. Is that simple enough? They created it with God's stuff. Oh, that's chemical. That's, that's, that, no, they created it with God's stuff because they didn't have anything. God created it all. If I told you the, the tree over here, the, a leaf on it will cure cancer, whoever had cancer would go over and start munching on the tree leaves. Absolutely. But you know what? God should be our first choice, not our last resort. After the medicine won't work, well, then I'm going to go to God or Santa Claus. Being in church, it'll drive away fear. Some of the greatest blessings of my own life has been in church, worshiping God. Worshiping with the body of Christ. How many of you have ever been in a church you really didn't feel like worshiping and somebody else got to worshiping and after a while you couldn't help but worship? You're like, man, they're getting something from God. I want some of that. Next thing you know, you're singing, I love it. I want it. I love it. I need some more of it or whatever. That's what you're doing. God, pour it on me. God help us. You see, I don't listen to that song. I don't even know the, I knew the gist of it. We got to worship with the body of Christ. You never know when you're going to miss your visitation from God. We were taught and raised up in church. We didn't miss church. You never knew if that was the service. God's going to do the miracle you need in your life. We are lifted up by being around other men and women of faith. Get around people that are giving the devil nightmares. That'll do it too. You know somebody's kicking the devil in the teeth? Stand close to them. Stand close to them. I get a spiritual boost by being around people that praise and worship and love God. I don't get a, I don't get a boost at all by people that's depressed and complaining. And You didn't want to come to the house yesterday about 3.30 when the Cardinals were playing. You wouldn't have got an encouraging word at that moment. We wanted deliverance from the 49ers. Moses was on the backside of the desert, but he eventually stood before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. Let my people go. I believe what every one of us needs is a burning bush experience where we hear from God and stop being afraid that we're not qualified or talented enough and stop letting the enemy define who we are. The enemy will, is the one telling you that you're not qualified, you're not talented enough, you can't do it. You're right, devil, I can't do it, but the God in me can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm on fire, dedicated, committed, disciplined, song of the living God. And when God speaks, I let my, I'm not going to let my fear rule me. It's not going to rule me, but my faith in God will do everything that I need to do. Hallelujah. It's the Jesus living in me. It's the Jesus living in me. My boys, one of these years is gonna to have to get me a gift with a shirt that, that says Jesus in me. They always get me some tacky superhero shirt. This year it was Batman. And uh, it, they give me one that says Jesus living in me, that'd be my superhero. Verses 7 through 10 God says, I've heard the cry of my people, I've heard their prayers, and I'm ready to come down and rescue my people. When Moses hears that, don't you know he was thinking, that's right, God. You come on down. You put the whooping on them. You can do it, God. I have faith in you, and it's about time. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm behind you 100%. I know them evil Egyptians. They need this. That's the way I am. Come on, God. Send the fire down and consume the Egyptians just like you're burning up this bush. Send it down on them, God. Wow. Set my people free. I knew you were going to do it, God. Let's see some fireworks from on high. What would happen today if this pulpit, made out of wood, burst into flames, and all of a sudden a voice started talking out of this microphone that wasn't my own? What would he say? Church, I've seen your misery. I've seen the misery of the people of Greenbrier. I've seen the sickness, the loneliness, the pain, the divorce, the drugs, the fear, the hurt, the torment of this generation. I've heard their cry. And I'll come down and I'll set them free. How many of us would get happy about that? We'd be blown away like, man, we got to have a new pulpit. But yes, God. Yes, God, come down. You know what's going on. You know the hurting people. We'd be excited about it. Look at Moses. God says he's going to take care of everything. His people is going to be set free. I believe Moses is excited that the Egyptians are in trouble now that God is coming down. I can just imagine what's going through Moses' mind. Sick them, God. Get them. Come on, God. Put the elbow more. Just get them. It's what I've been waiting for. Waiting for you to turn. I've been waiting for you to turn this church around. For this church to mature in Christ. Oh, you're getting close to the heart, Pastor. I've been waiting for you to bring revival to our church, God. Come on, God, do it now. Moses must have been excited to hear that God is finally going to do it. But in verse 10. God says to Moses, now you go. I'm not talking about the car you go. You go. Of course, Moses says, yeah, I'll go. Sure, I'll go. God, that's exactly what I thought you had planned. I'll go. That's not what he said. What's verse 11 say, Peyton? I didn't even write it down. Do you have it up there? He's already taking a coffee break. Look at him. You guys yell at me when it's up there. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God said, you go. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? That I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. That doesn't sound nearly as confident as the way I read it. Doesn't that sound like us, though? God said, I'm going to come down. I want you to go. We're we're all all with it. God, come down. Come on down, God. And then when God says, you go, then we're Moses in the 11th verse. Who am I to go, God? Who am I to go? God, you saw their need. You said you heard their cry. And now you're telling me to go? God, I want you to come down. You do the miraculous. After all, I'm, I'm talking to a burning bush here. Nobody's going to believe this stuff. Moses wanted someone else to do the job. God told Moses to go. I want everyone to see this this morning. Moses is going. Or we can say it a different way. Moses being obedient was God coming down. God said, I'm going to come down. And he said, you go. You're the one that's going to deliver him. That's not the way we think of things. That's why Moses is—he's like, making excuses. Who am I to go to Pharaoh, God? We're not used to that. We want God to do all the work. We want God to do everything. In the story of Lazarus, we see Jesus says, "Roll away the stone." Me and Sister Metz has talked about this a lot of times. And by the way, how many's happy to see Sister Metz back from Florida? <laughs> Leaving the Sunshine State, never going back ever again, right? Amen. I've just prophesied that. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus says, roll away the stone. Why? Why? Jesus has the power to roll away the stone. He tells them to do something. But Jesus, here they go, to make an excuse. Jesus, he stinks already. We don't want to open that thing up. They wasn't obedient at first. They're kind of like us. But when they rolled away the stone, when they did what they were supposed to do, deliverance come from the tomb. Hallelujah. From death to life. Hallelujah. 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 God could have come down in a thunderbolt. He could have come down in fire and brimstone. He could have come down in an awesome display of power, but he chose a man. He chose a man. A man who had run from his task before. A man the world would call a failure, and God said, you go, and your going will be me coming down. Miracles still happen, but God sent a man. The Israelites were delivered, but God sent a man. This generation is in bondage. This generation is in need of a God coming down and setting them free. But God isn't going to send another uh, a thunderbolt or fire and brimstone today, just like He didn't then. You remember the scriptures I read to begin with—the Great Commission. He's already sent the answer. Oh God, He's already sent the answer. He's not going back to the cross. I heard somebody on preaching on today TV today said, "Have our Christmas tree, and it's an awesome Christmas tree, but the most awesome Christmas tree was a cross." Jesus already did the work. Now He's commissioned us to carry out the rest of the plan. This generation needs us. God's coming down by all of us going. God is saying to the church, you're going into the world to preach my gospel. That's me coming down. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're saying that we need our families saved. We need our finances taken care of. We need to see our church go forward. But God came down 2,000 years ago, and Jesus is saying, I give you the power. I give you the power. I've already come down. I give you the power. I gave you the authority. You the anointing. And now get up and get going. Hallelujah. Because when we go, it's God coming down. When we go to the hospital, it's God coming down. When we tell others about Jesus, it's God coming down. When we give ourselves and, our, uh, and give ourselves the hand of our finances, it's God coming down. You going is God coming down. Hallelujah. Shelly, would you come back? You are God's answer. He uses humans. He uses humans. And guess what? It's just not the pastor's job. Oh, we need to hear a lot of amens on that one. It's not just the five-fold ministry of the church. It's the evangelist. It's the apostle. No, it's not all these guys' job. It is their job, but not only them. Our church body is the answer. We are the answer for God coming down. He commissioned us, not just certain people, his followers. With one man, the Lord would deliver nearly three million of his people out of the mightiest nation on earth, determined to hold them captive. And it's still the same today. We can make all sorts of excuses. We can wonder why someone doesn't get deliverance, why someone doesn't get a healing, why something, something, something he sent you I know we don't want to hear that well you know I'm not God I can't do that no he gave you power to use he empowered you and we don't want to be bold enough oh God who am I to go to Pharaoh he said go he said go had someone tell me this week, and I've heard this saying over and over and over, that he equips the called. He's called each and every one of us. All the Lord needs is one man, one woman, who will be willing to preach his word, and deliverance will be effective. Hallelujah. Even for the hardest case, God is able. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? What God has called us to do doesn't start with a bigger building. It doesn't start with a big bank account. It starts with the man of God having an experience with God. It starts with the church having an experience with God. Hallelujah. A burning bush experience is what we all need. Hallelujah. In dismissal today, we're going to do things a little different. I want you right where you're at. You've been worshiping God so So great today. As Shelly begins to play in this thing. I want you just to tell God this. God, I give you me. I give you me. I surrender my life. I surrender my right to do what I want to do or what I feel like I want to do. Because I don't feel qualified. I don't feel talented enough. I surrender that to you, Father. Fill me up. Give me the boldness to help deliver people. Sing to us.